This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for creating a blog, website, portfolio, or online store. To create your own space, visit squarespace.com and save 10% by using offer code TREK10. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take a seat. I say... the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's newest series about Star Trek's oldest series, the original series. This isn't going to be an episode-by-episode review show, but like Earl Grey, The Orb, To The Journey, and Warp 5, this will be what I call a commuter-length show, where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and I'm the TOS editor for the network. And with me today is Mike from Commentary Track Stars. How's it going? It's fantastic. I'm I'm excited to finally get this show started, and I'm excited the opportunities, uh, the things we're going to talk about in the future. Uh, but but here now for just episode one, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk a bit. We're going to share our Star Trek stories, why we enjoy TOS, and share a couple of our favorite episodes. So, Mike, I've heard your Star Trek story. I've heard it more times than I care to recount. <laughs> But I know that there are people who've not heard it, and I think it's cool enough to hear another retelling. So please regale us with your story. Okay. All right. Well, sorry if you have heard that. I I have told it too many times, but I'll tell it one more time. So I I guess I got into Star Trek like a lot of people from our generation got into Star Trek, and that's through Star Wars. I was a huge Star Wars fan growing up, and uh, when I was about 12 years old, I decided that it was time to expand my horizons a bit, and I was like, you know what? I should give Star Trek a shot. And on December 25th, 1992, I was over at my Aunt Rita's house, and she was a... uh, a big movie fan and a big uh, Star Trek fan, and I was looking at her shelf with all of her VHS tapes, and she had the first five Star Trek movies up on the shelf. So I, I asked her, I'm like, hey, is it okay if I uh, borrow Star Trek the motion picture? And she's like, yeah, yeah, just take them all. So I'm like, great, all right, let's do this. So after Christmas dinner and everything, I went home and I put in Star Trek The Motion Picture. I was all excited and it was really, really boring. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, enough of, of Star Trek. That was interesting. Now I know why people like Star Wars better and time to move on with my life. And uh, a couple days later, my friend Matt came over just to hang out, and he sees the five tapes sitting uh, next to the TV, and he's like, oh, man, you've got all the Star Trek movies? That's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, well, I watched, you know, the first one, and it was really bad, so I'm just going to give them all back to my aunt and pretend it never happened. And he's like, no, 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 that, that first one is really bad, but two, three, and four are amazing. We should totally watch these, like, right now. And I'm like, fine. All right, let's do this, you know? So we put in Wrath of Khan, and I was hooked. You know, we watched all three that night. Next morning, we watched number five. Then that night on WPWR Power 50 uh, in Chicago, they showed uh, The Hunted from Next Generation. And a few days later, on Sunday night at 11.30 p.m., they showed Galileo 7. And that was my first uh, exposure to the original series. And luckily, it was a a really good episode, and I've been hooked ever since. Can you imagine being a kid growing up today? Like, I'm going to get into Star Trek. Here's every episode ever. 
I know. I've, I've thought about that a lot with everything, movies, you know, um, Star Trek, everything. And I think it kind of in some ways would have spoiled me. Like, I would have loved that because I was always wanting, you know, I'm like one of these obsessive people who wants to see everything in order. Like, I desperately wanted to see all of Star Trek in chronological order. But of course, you had to, you know, take whatever you could get. And if I had that option now, I really don't know what, I mean... I don't I don't know what it would be like. You know, I don't think I would appreciate it as much as I as I do now, even though it would have been way better, you know. Yeah. I, I think that, that you having to like hunt for it made it more because it wasn't just handed to you. Maybe maybe it was more appealing because you had to hunt for it and like this is the episode that we're watching today. And you can't just be like, Oh, we'll just skip to the next one. You know, you had to watch it and or record it on your VHS and watch it later fast forward through the commercials and then also you had to savor that one episode whereas you know i could see myself burning through an entire series and you know while i i would have seen much more of the series in terms of volume i wouldn't have dissected any single episode and come to appreciate that that little gem inside the overall whole you know i probably wouldn't have seen trouble with tribbles you know a hundred times or anything like that but i would have seen all of them right away and i think i I probably wouldn't be as interested in the show on the whole as i am now if that were the case what about you how did you uh get involved in in star trek well uh i i i too grew up uh with star wars and and star trek my my mom was very Star Warsy. I have I have a nice collection of figures, mostly hers, uh, uh, sitting next to me here in the studio. But my dad was the one who was really into Star Trek. So I grew up with. Uh, my dad had the making of Star Trek book, the one that came out in '68. I'm rereading it right now. It's really good. But I didn't read it back then. I just looked at all the cool pictures of like the aging makeup from deadly years and the scales of the Klingon ship versus the, the enterprise and all the cool stuff, just the pictures that were in there. And my dad had uh, Shatner's, my dad's not a big reader, but he had Shatner's Star Trek memories books. And so he ended up giving them me, I've read them several times. I, I love them so much. Some of the times that we, that I remember when I was little that we spent together, it was making model kits uh, he had like the, the Enterprise bridge, the TOS bridge, and it had like each little thing and explained, you know, this is the engineering section and stuff. And that's where I, where I learned that. My dad's really funny. He bought a Pontiac transport. I was talking to him the other day saying that, uh, that I was going to do this podcast and that my story really is his story. He's like, are you going to tell him about the, the Pontiac transport? I'm like, yeah, yeah, dad, I am. <laughs> but he bought a Pontiac transport because it looks like a sh- shuttlecraft. And he used to, we used to be driving down the highway and we'd push the hazard lights to raise the shields and to fire the photon torpedoes at the people who were going, going slow in the fast lane. That, that, see, there was never any hope for me. I, I was ruined from day one. Uh, but it, to the show, my dad had some reruns on VHS uh, and, you know, the, the major episodes, Trouble with Tribbles and, and Arena, I think. But he, he also had all the movies except for one, because he thinks it's the most boring thing ever. We're going to have to have a talk about the motion picture. I feel like we're we're giving it too much crap here in the first episode. Well, I mean, that's the, you know, that was 12-year-old me thinking that it was terrible. But, you know, I've I've since, you know, grown older and, and wiser and, and appreciate it a lot more now. So it, It's growing on me. I need to watch it again. 
uh, with some select commentaries, perhaps. Um, so I, I grew up watching Star Trek's two through five, con- four mostly, constantly. And, you know, I didn't understand half the things, double dumbass on you. But, like, I'm, like, five years old quoting, like, remember where we parked? And <laughs> I remember in elementary school, we had a computer class. And one of my friends and I would redo the uh, Scotty talking to the computer scene from Star Trek Four every class. We'd just be like, hello, computer. And he'd hand me the mouse. Hello, computer, I'd say into the mouse. <laughs> And then he'd say, just use the keyboard. I'd say, the keyboard, how quaint. And I'd crack my little knuckles and start banging on the keyboard really hard. (laughs) I mean, that was elementary school. There was, oh, I'm glad I had friends like that growing up. Yeah, I I did not have that. You know, there was no one really who who I I could watch Star Trek with except for, for my one friend, Matt. You know, so whenever I would go to school, if I was brave enough to wear, like, a Star Trek t-shirt or something, you know, they're like, Star Trek, you nerd, you know, and, and that, that's that's what I dealt with, you know. And when, when I found out, you know, about other people at the school who were fans, I'm like, where were you guys? You know, after the fact, I'm like, what's going on? How come I, no one, I was the biggest Star Trek fan. How come you didn't come hang out with me? Oh, well, what can you do? One of my earliest theater memories... In fact, I can't think of any movie theater memory before this, but I remember being in the movie theater with my dad, wondering why McCoy had to pull his dad off of life support. (laughs) And I'm like, thinking about that now, I had to have been five years old. Because the movie came out in 1989, right? Yeah, 89, yeah. Yeah, so I had to have been five, maybe six. And dad, I mean, he took me to see Star Trek. On my own in college, I went to see Insurrection and Nemesis. With some nerd friends of mine that I had made. Uh, so I've seen a few of the, the shows and the movies in theaters. Uh, I've not watched many of the shows live, though. Maybe a handful of episodes, Trials and Tribulations. Um, we actually watched Broken Bow, like, as a, not as a dorm, but in the dorm, <laughs> a few of us got together. We're like, there's a new Star Trek series and we're going to watch it. And, and then we didn't, I don't think we watched another episode, or at least not together. <laughs> I watched it, I watched a few episodes of Enterprise, and uh, my dad would tape episodes of Voyager for me to save, like the pilot. And he, so he's got the pilot episode. It's been out for like a month or something, and I, I finally get to go see my dad. And he's like, "Okay, here, this is Voyager. It's really cool. It's a really cool first episode, but don't get too attached to the first officer or the doctor because they're totally gonna die." <laughs> it's like, God, Dad, why did you tell me that? I'm gonna find out in a few minutes. <laughs> Actually, I think he told me on the phone. He's like, I taped the first episode of Voyager for you. Really? Yeah. But you shouldn't get it to attack. I'm like, he told me this like weeks before I watched it. But that's how, how it was back then. Like, I've been reading all of these old Cinescape magazines from the time period because they're the best. It's like the internet back before there was an internet. <laughs> Everyone knew like a year out that Captain Kirk was going to die and the Enterprise was going to blow up in generations. Spoilers. I know this is an original series podcast and a lot of our listeners probably haven't branched out into Next Generation. But, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, everyone knew. I knew, you know, and I, I did not care. I did not think. I mean, I remember, like, as a 14-year-old, my goal in life for that year was to find out as much as I could about that movie before going to see it. Whereas mm-hmm. now I would stay away from that, like, don't ruin. And I'd be like really mad if someone told me it was a different <laughs> time, you know? Yeah. Cut your dad some slack, man. Jeez. Okay. All right. I I did watch most of uh, 
the original series remastered live. I was really excited about it because I knew that it was a, a culturally significant show and I wanted to make sure that it was presented correctly. Uh, I'm a big Star Wars fan, but I'm not such a big fan of what the special editions became. It went from a, a restoration to a almost a reboot to make it fit in line with movies that didn't exist yet. And so I was afraid of that happening with Star Trek, but I, I find most of the changes very tasteful, very well done, and I so I bought all the Blu-rays when they came out, mostly because they have the original versions on there too, and I want to preserve that kind of thing. And once I watched through the whole thing, once with all the new effects, now when I'm rewatching them, I'm watching them with the original effects to to get in that mindset of being there in the 60s, which is something that, that hopefully we're going to be able to replicate for you, the listener. Yeah, uh, for me, Remastered, I remember when it happened, and actually I was at a uh, convention in Chicago right before the first episode aired, and uh, Dave Rossi, who was sort of heading up the effort, was there at the convention, and I went into it thinking this is this is wrong you know this I, I i do not approve of them changing these effects and and everything and, and i was and, and they said you know like dave rossi is going to be here discussing i like circle that in my program I'm like i am going to this <laughs> panel and i am You're going to give him a piece I'm, of your yeah, mind give him a piece of my mind and i go and i sit in the back of the theater and there's a bunch of people who are sitting like a couple rows in front of me talking to this dude and they're like riveted uh, you know every all their attention is on this dude and I'm like, who are they talking to? What are they talking about? And I start, um, as my wife would say, ear hustling. And <laughs> I realize that it's Dave Rossi who's talking to them, you know, and he they're like asking him all these questions. And he's, you know, talking. I mean, very, very super nice guy. I went up to him. I started talking to him. We had like a one on one conversation for like a good long time. He told me he was going to make the Gorn blink. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, man, I really want to hate you, but I can't because you seem like such a nice guy. And, um, you know, what you're doing, what you're saying, it sounds like you really care about this. I, I'm still opposed to it on a conceptual level, but at least I know it's in good hands, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I did watch the, the, the first episode, and I've seen a few since then. I actually watched one today, and... Um, it is interesting, like this, the stuff that they were doing and sort of like the, the restrictions that they placed on themselves in terms of like not changing the, the running time and, and, and things like that. It is interesting. I still I'm opposed to changes being made to movies or TV shows without the uh, creator's input. And since, mm -hmm. you know, the, the guys who made that show are, you know, a lot of them aren't around anymore. You know, I, I don't think that it's uh, a good idea to to do that. But since it's been done I, i'm I'm glad that it's at least done by people you know like rossi and, and and the akudas who you know know what they're doing and and definitely care about preserving it and the one thing which which did really sell me on it was you know he was like no you're you guys are gonna say you know what what, what about the originals and he's like well you you still have the originals you have the dvds right there and i was thinking to myself and this was years before the blu-ray came out i'm like yeah but are they going to be on the blu-ray no they're not going to be on the blu-ray you know this and i know this <laughs> and i want to be able to watch the originals in HD and then they come out and sure enough the originals are on the Blu-ray and so are the soundtracks which never were on the DVD and I mean they really did right by that show with with, with that Blu-ray set you know giving you the option and everything it's 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 really fantastic so now now the question remains why TOS why do you think that this show 
deserved to be i mean like it was 45 years old like you know it was like 40 at the time that the the remastered effort was what do you think gives it its its lasting quality i mean it was canceled twice three times and only one of them stuck like what about it why are we still talking about it and not gunsmoke which was on for 20 years why why are we having a star trek podcast on a star trek network i mean what, what do you think what do you think is its lasting quality the the thing about the original series, I mean, part of it, I think, is just sort of the, the genre that it's in. You know, um, science fiction fans tend to be a bit more obsessive than anyone else in the world. So, you know, the idea of there not being a gun smoke network or a law and order network doesn't really surprise me. You know, the idea of there being a Star Trek network is not that surprising to me. You know, um, I, I think that if you look at back at the show, it's just flat out really, really, really well done. I mean, if you compare it to, let's say, other science fiction from the time, like Lost in Space or something like that, it's obviously, you know, much better written and produced. I mean, like some of the stuff that they were doing uh, from a uh, photographic standpoint is way ahead of its time. And, you know, you had some of the best science fiction writers in the world, you know, writing scripts for these guys. I mean, say what you want about William Shatner, but, you know, he's he's the best actor ever. <laughs> You know, and Leonard Nimoy is no slouch either. So, I mean, you had all of these guys and, and they were, you know, taking this super seriously and turning out high quality uh, products on a, a a weekly basis. And in terms of why now, why it's still around today, because you could say that Twilight Zone was doing the same thing and it totally was. You know, Twilight Zone is, I think, in many ways equal, in some ways, superior to um, the original series. And uh, if, if you're asking why there's, you know, a, a Star Trek network now, but not a Twilight Zone network, I think that uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, Star Trek has, for the most part, never really gone away. You know, we've had the next generation, we've had, you know, the now the, the JJ movies and, and everything, and, and it's always sort of front and center in pop culture. And because it has never gone away, even if, you know, the main focus is on, you know, Deep Space Nine, uh, main focus is never on Deep Space Nine, but even if the main focus is on Voyager or something like that, there's always still Star Trek in that title. And, you know, that keeps the original series in the uh, the public uh, consciousness. And I think that's that's a really big part of, uh, of its continued success or continued uh uh, following i agree completely i i think that that yeah compared to other shows especially other science fiction shows at the time it it's very progressive i mean that's something that that roddenberry really really wanted was to show the future where humankind has put aside all their all their differences and now they judge all the aliens who are doing everything wrong <laughs> He was working there. You know, he, he, he had his intentions were good. You know, it would take him a couple decades to work out the kinks, but his intentions were good. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> but like, he was really progressive. I mean, you don't think about it, but he had a black woman serving on the bridge and no one made a point. Well, except for Abraham Lincoln, oddly enough, no one made a point that she was black. And uh, he had a Russian person join the crew in the second season. Because he acknowledged that even though the Russians were our enemies during the Cold War, that they did a lot for space, space exploration. So it would make sense that one of the main bridge crew be Russian. 
and that's really neat and that's that's something that i'm sure no other 60s show had a good guy russian or at least you know one who wasn't a double agent spy or something so to to have that that kind of progression i think progressive progressiveness in in a show in the 60s i think is is a big deal and i i think part of it is something i always struggled with with tos until just recently was the lack of continuity sometimes like uh my wife was watching an episode with me the other day and she's like well isn't spock just mind meld with the guy because i'm like because he doesn't that doesn't exist yet it's not something they would thought of yet or it doesn't do that in this particular episode it's because you know, sometimes he could do it through a wall sometimes he does it to a probe just there's there's little continuity and i think that the it it was Dave Rossi, I think, on one of the one of the other Trek FM shows, who said that it's really an anthology show with standing sets. It goes back a lot further than than that. It goes back to, as far as I can tell, uh, Roddenberry's original pitch. Right here, I've been reading um, Mark Cushman's "These Are the Voyages," which is all about uh, the making of of the original series. And right here in um, Roddenberry's original pitch to the studio, he says, and while maintaining a familiar central location and regular cast, explores an anthology-like range of exciting human experience. So that was definitely built into the show. That was definitely Roddenberry's intent from the very beginning. And that is, I agree with you, one of the things which makes it so cool. Yeah, I've I've actually, I've held one of those, like, like a Xerox copy of the original pitch because Jerry Taylor went to IU, oh, wow. which is nearby, and she donated a bunch of Voyager stuff and some TOS stuff to to the university library. But I went in and, and I was just like, bring me your Star Trek stuff. And so they gave me like big boxes. I wasn't allowed to have my phone. And one of the things as I was digging through, it was like every Voyager script. And then there was a little TOS section. I need to go back. But one of the things was the original pitch. I don't know if it was the original pitch, but it was, it was, it looked like an old piece of paper, like typewriter and just, it was incredible all about April and, you know, how, oh, we're, we'll totally save money by you know, every society is just like earth and we'll have random episodes where people are gangsters or whatever's on the back lot that day. And, you know, we'll, everybody will be mostly human. And so we'll save money on makeup effects and stuff. And yeah. Uh, it was all there from the beginning, and I, and that may have been what gave it its lasting qualities, and why NBC kept uncanceling it because it was, even though it was super expensive, I think that they were making their money back. Yeah, I th I, th I think you know they also saw you know sooner or later they saw the light at the end of the tunnel, which was syndication, and that they would make all of their money back then. But yeah, I mean, he Roddenberry was a smart guy. He had things thought out pretty pretty thoroughly when he was uh, starting up this show and and it shows when you watch it i like how it progresses as as the franchise goes on you can see all of the different ways that they've taken the standing set anthology different stories cheap makeup idea to tell to continue to tell stories mm -hmm. uh whether it's you know next generation or deep space nine or voyager or enterprise or even the jj movies even though the JJ movies aren't cheap, <laughs> they're still all trying to tell the same basic story of humanity overcoming what's holding them back. Yeah, for sure. Let's see. Let's talk about our favorite episodes. Uh, my my favorite episode is uh, is I Mud. I know that's a, it's an odd episode to pick as your favorite, but 
it is always entertaining to me. I've always loved, it must have been one of the episodes my dad had on tape because I was always, I always loved Harry Mudd and I'd never really seen Mudd's women. So I'm guessing that was just I Mudd. Uh, I love Harry Mudd. I love Stella. I love all the androids. And it's just, it's goofy. I know that we probably shouldn't, I shouldn't open the show talking about one of the cheesiest episodes of the series, but at least it's deliberately cheesy. And there's always room for cheese. There's nothing wrong with cheese. There really isn't. And it's it's part of the show. And I think a lot of people sort of miss the humor in the show at times. You know, they, they laugh at it. Um, I mean, but it is a really funny show a lot of the time. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. As part of the anthology thing, you know, you can do a horror episode like, uh, you know, um, Wolf in the Fold or whatever. And then you can do a comedy episode like Trouble with Tribbles and... You know, I mean, it's 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 cool like that. It's very malleable. Yeah, and and that's something that they continue to do to this day, and in, in in the different series, they they know that you can mix the humor and the drama, and it it was a lot better when there were shows that we could have a humorous episode and not just humorous parts of a serious discussion, and that's probably one of the reasons why so many people say Star Trek is meant to be on TV, and it and it's probably true. Mm-hmm. My other favorite episode is. The opposite of iMud, and that's City on the Edge of Forever, which I'm sure is a lot of people's favorite episodes. But it it touches me to this day, even though I've seen it a whole bunch of times, or I can read the 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 photo comic thing that I have on the shelf there, and it will still make me tear up. Just the the emotion of Kirk falling in love and having to sacrifice someone else is it's deep. It's really deep and really surprising if you're going from like I Mud to City on the Edge of Forever. It's like, oh, okay, this goofy show, this goofy 60s show. I mean, barely any of it takes place on the Enterprise. It's all in Mayberry, literally. They walk past Floyd's Barbershop. And it's just so good and so dramatic. And it just ends. I love that it just ends. There's no let's make fun of Spock or explain to McCoy what really happened. Just you know, let's get the hell out of here, and then it's just gone. It's just over, and I'm like, that's that's should have been one of the first episodes. Yeah, and and yet I, I think that you know having um a season to get to know these characters really also does kind of help uh to to add weight to to the the impact of that show, which I, I agree that one is one of the best. So as far as my favorite episodes are concerned, I guess this is actually kind of a two-part answer for, for me. When I think about um, what the best episode of the show is, critically speaking, I have to say that it's The Trouble with Tribbles. Um, in, in addition to being uh, really funny and everything, and that being the, the hook that you know certainly got me into uh, that episode, got, got me to love that episode as, as a kid, um, when you kind of take a look at it now... As an adult, you can see that there is a lot of other stuff going on um, beneath the surface. It's not simply this comical story with these cute little, you know, furry animals. There's actually a lot of uh, political intrigue and stuff going on in it, which is is quite interesting. And they're just using a humorous story in order to uh, get this uh, deeper message across. Not that it's an extremely deep episode or anything like that, (laughs) but uh, it is definitely... It's it's got it's got some good stuff going on there, you know. But in terms of my favorite episode, I really have to go with Arena 
because uh, <laughs> I, I just love it for everything that it is. For me, in a lot of ways, it is the quintessential original series episode. You've got uh, a kind of a space battle. You've got a planet battle. You've got an amazing uh, alien. I mean, I really do think that that it's it's great. And you do also do get to see this sort of, you know, cheesy production value, you know, if, if you want to call it that. <laughs> and yet it, it never takes me out of of the episode if anything it just draws me in you know more i have always loved arena and i always will love arena and um yeah that that's got to be my my favorite at least uh subjectively yeah it it also shows like it's not just kirk beats up the alien i mean he has to solve a riddle and you know so it shows that Kirk isn't just this, you know, brawny, stupid guy. He knows how gunpowder is made, even though they haven't used it for hundreds of years, I'm sure. And that he shows mercy. I mean, the moral of the story is to, to show that the humanity is awesome because we show mercy even those people are trying to eat us yeah and and there's a lot of other cool stuff in there too like the fact that um the gorn does outsmart kirk for the first half of the episode you know kirk thinks he's being all cool by narrating his tale because i guess that's what you do when you're a star trek a starfleet captain but you know in reality he's telling the gorn everything that he's doing and the gorn is just sitting back you know listening waiting and it, it really is sort of like a, a chess game between these two, you know, super intelligent captains. And then, you know, you, you get to the end and it, it, you know, really does, like you're saying, you know, have uh, quite, quite the moral message behind it. It's great. It's a really great episode. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that being a, a very good representation of the original series. It's even got the, you know, omnipotent godlike being thing. No, that's true. The the you know omnipotent godlike being that says maybe maybe we'll be friends in a few hundred years and then disappears. Mm -hmm. and, Add that to the list. And and the Vasquez rocks. I mean, it's, uh, it's as got always. it's got everything. <laughs> well, let's talk some about how what what else we're going to talk about as we uh, as we continue on. So we're hoping to have uh, maybe we'll have some guests on. But uh, most of the time, it'll probably be just us, and we'll be talking uh, maybe some random episodes. Maybe uh, we'll talk some characters, like just discuss Kirk or Spock throughout the throughout the years and the ages and the alternate universes or anything that may come up. Maybe we'll talk about uh, the movies. Maybe we'll do commentary, since you're you're kind of good at that. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, you know, we we could talk about uh, the people who were involved with the making of the show, you know, and, and uh, look at, at what they've done in, in the series. We can talk about uh, the various uh, motifs which, which are present in the show, you know, th things which, which occur again and again, like Kirk uh, talking computers to death. <laughs> things. My like favorite. That. Yeah, yeah. We could talk about how Kirk has no problem ruining people's societies and then just saying, oh, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I like your idea of there being a, another another ship following the Enterprise around. Yes, the the cleanup ship after Kirk destroys the civilization, they come in and say, "Sorry, here, you know, we'll fix your stuff for you, ambassadors and stuff." That's that's what the next uh, TV show is going to be about, by the way. <laughs> 
Actually, you could do a video game with that. Make it like kind of like a, a Sim City kind of thing. <laughs> Just Rebuild have like the society each, that Kirk destroyed. Yeah, each each level takes place after an episode of the, that. Would be good. I would play that game. It'd be good for fan yeah. film, which we could also talk about the fan films for TOS mm-hmm. because there's there's a bunch of them. That would be really fun and give some some new content maybe that people haven't heard or seen before. Sure, the animated series is out there. Yeah. We could, we could talk about that. Talk about that. Yeah, I could watch that, and then we could talk about it. <laughs> you, you you can watch the the one good episode, and we can talk about that. Maybe yeah. maybe that's what we'll do. Yesteryear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no shortage of uh, of topics to discuss on this no, show. No, there really isn't. Yeah. So it should be fun. Well, it should be, and it's been really fun introducing ourselves today. Uh, but this is just the newest show on Trek FM. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, the orb. Looking for Parlock in all the wrong places. Well, and you also get the feeling here that she's only, re- I mean, Worf really is only being rejected because she's not interested. It has nothing to do with whether or not Worf is Klingon enough or any of that. She's just not interested. She's interested in Quark. Earl Grey. Romulans on TNG. You know, it's this TV trope of of an actor playing their own descendant or, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense. Okay, fine. If you want to... Right, because Data never plays his grandfather or great-grandfather or own descendant, but, you know, that's a terrible storyline. Or Michael Dorn. The Ready Room. Home. Well, I think after what he went through with the Zindi, you know, you see he's become very jaded. He's very cynical about things, and it would be easy for him to stay in that place, and it would continue to grow, and he would become nothing like the person he was, and and even lose sight of the person that he was, and never be able to get back there. To the journey. Voyager's funniest moments. They're seeing Sandrines for the first time, and you see that pool shark guy who is such a chauvinist pig jerk. Who says something to the effect to Balana of something like, treat a lady like a tramp and a tramp like a lady. It works every time. And she says, Paris, did you program this guy? And he's like, yeah, why? She said, he's a pig and so are you. Commentary, Trek stars. Battlestar Galactica. But with the, the new series, it, it really tried uh, to, to delve much deeper into the social commentary you know, in a lot of ways, I think it was an excellent portrayal of a post-9-11 world. And I think it touched on um, a lot of aspects of our society. Warp 5. Hoshisato. I'm not so sure that I can relate to the background as providing an explanation for her personal insecurities. I, I perhaps wondered if, if a part of that, I mean, it, you put her on, on Earth in her element doing her teaching, working with, with languages in that safe environment. Yeah, I, I don't think she would have the same level of insecurity. Trek News and Views. Barge of the Dead. So to actually get a character episode that doesn't just explore Balana, but ex- explores the Klingon mythos at the same time. I mean, that was two for one. Literary Treks. David R. George III, Revelation and Dust. And it feels like an evolution for Starfleet as well in the way that they built a star base. Well, I'm glad that came across because that was sort of one of the things that I was going for. You want it to be an evolution in Starfleet's construction of star bases. Mm-hmm. It should be something brand new. And because it's an important station, because it's in an important location, it, it really needed to be, I thought, uh, a grand station. 
And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get your daily Trek Talk fix. We have new shows for you every day, and you'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcasts directly to get all the links. Well, thanks for talking with me today, Mike. So uh, where can people find you when we're not in orbit? Oh, well, you can find uh, my other Trek FM show uh, called Commentary Trek Stars, which I do uh, with my co-host Max, where we talk about the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. And you can also find me on my website, CommentaryTrackStars.com, where I do uh, Commentary Track Stars off-topic with Max and our friend Brandon, where we talk about random movie things and stuff like that, basically whatever we want to. And we have lots of uh, commentaries for lots of Star Trek movies and TV shows on there as well. And Drew's on there too, so you can uh, check us out. What was the final tally of movies that you commentated? Well, we did 182 episodes, but I think it came out to like 179 movies or something like that. That's awesome. Yeah. So if you can think of a movie, they'll talk over it for you. There you go. <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter at ComTrackStars or email me at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at 5 doublefive If you want to share your thoughts on today's show, you can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to show and then choose standard orbit. That will come to both of us by email. You can also choose the tab on the right-hand side of the page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and other listeners in our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Before we go, we'd like to remind everyone to support our sponsor for today's show. Squarespace is the web's best hosting and CMS that makes it simple for you to create a beautiful blog, website, portfolio, online store, or anything else you can imagine. Create your own space today. Just go to squarespace.com for your free 14-day trial. No credit card required. And then use offer code TREK10 to save 10%. You're going to love it, and we really thank Squarespace for their support of Standard Orbit and Trek FM. And if you would personally like to support Standard Orbit, the network, and all our programming, visit trek.fm slash donate. We have eight alien-themed badges and art prints, so thank you for your contribution. And you can mix and match badges and art prints. There are different levels of donation to choose from, and your contributions help us cover the cost of production, storage, and bandwidth needed to bring Standard Orbit and other shows to you every week. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great week, and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrew. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. Hi, sir.